Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is an audio recording of one of my most popular YouTube videos on leptin resistance. Leptin is a key hormone made by our fat cells, and it tells our brain to burn fat for fuel, and it tells our brain that we're satiated, that we no longer need to eat. And when we have leptin resistance, our brain is not hearing the signal from leptin, and we end up with more cravings, we don't burn fat well, and we can have a lot of other symptoms and problems. And so you're going to learn all about that in this podcast. And if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review, your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, definitely do that right now so you get all of our updates and let's go into the show. Well, hello, today I'm talking about leptin resistance, the major causes, the symptoms that you may experience if you have it, and support strategies you can take so your body can heal and function at its best. So when we think about leptin, It is an incredible hormone. It actually comes from our fat cells. So years ago, we used to think the fat cells were basically just energy reserves, but now we actually understand them as part of the endocrine system, meaning part of the hormone system. And the reason why is they produce this hormone, leptin. They also produce another hormone called adiponectin as well. So they actually produce multiple hormones, but leptin is the one that we know the most about. And leptin plays a big role in helping regulate bone mass, helps activate immune cells, it helps to uh, balance and drive blood pressure, helps regulate thyroid hormone, controls appetite, which is what we know it mostly for is its appetite regulatory center. Um, But it also helps to uh, put, put the brakes on insulin release and it helps to regulate the menstrual cycle. So it's a major hormone, very, very critical. And we start to release leptin when the fat cells start to grow. Okay. So as we're eating, we naturally start to fill up fat cells and then leptin is released. It goes to the brain, a part of the brain called the hypothalamus, which is kind of the antenna of our body, which is constantly sensing the bloodstream and kind of seeing what hormones are there and what it needs to be able to adapt to the environment. So when leptin gets released, it goes up, hypothalamus senses that leptin is there and it says, okay, I'm satisfied, I'm satiated. I can turn off insulin release and now I can turn on uh, fat burning. Okay, so now I can go ahead and 
you know, start burning fat for fuel because the fat cells are filled up and I can turn off insulin. The problem though is when we're dealing with chronic inflammation, that can affect our leptin sensitivity in our hypothalamus. And therefore we don't feel satiated and we don't turn off insulin release and we don't, we, we were, we're hungry, we want to keep eating and we don't burn fat for fuel. So the counterpart to leptin is ghrelin. Ghrelin signals hunger. So when our stomach is empty, we release ghrelin. Ghrelin goes up to the hypothalamus and tells us, I'm hungry, I want to eat. So ghrelin and leptin are basically like on the seesaw. They are the opposites. They're antagonists. When we're satiated, we've got high amounts of leptin, and that's overranking our ghrelin. When we're hungry, we've got ghrelin being released, not much leptin, therefore we're hungry, okay? So that's basically how it works. Now, here's how leptin resistance works. So leptin functions to turn off appetite while promoting the burning of triglycerides that bloat fat cells. As people accumulate excess fat cells, or you know, another term for them is adipocytes, C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory protein, is released. So as we start to accumulate uh, extra fat or we start to bloat the fat, we release C-reactive protein that binds to leptin in the blood. It impairs leptin's transport across the blood-brain barrier and thus prevents leptin from performing its dual function of breaking down stored body fat and controlling appetite. As more fat cells form in the body, greater amounts of C-reactive protein are released, binding leptin even more. This is the vicious cycle of leptin resistance, and it helps explain why aging people often get fatter with each passing year, because if you don't stop this, it just gets worse and worse and worse because you don't have the natural satiation switch. So you continue to eat, you continue to produce more leptin, which binds to the C-reactive protein, which, which turns on more inflammation in the body. Okay, so we just get more and more inflammation here and we have a major problem there. And this is basically how we have the leptin weight gain cycle. So basically we start with a disrupted signal and you can really start anywhere on this circle, but let's start with you know, a disrupted signal. So even though we have an abundance of stored fat and leptin, the signal to our brain gets disrupted like I was just talking about. So the blood-brain barrier, the C-reactive protein bound to the leptin can't cross it. It's too big a molecule to cross. So it can't cross. So the hypothalamus does not get the signal from leptin. Then we overeat because we don't get the natural satiation signal. And that leads to food cravings and overeating, which increases the amount of calories we're consuming. And oftentimes sweet foods and you know foods that are, are not healthy for us. We gain weight. And then that weight gain increases the amount of leptin being released, which therefore increases C-reactive protein. And we end up with whole body inflammation and leptin resistance. And the cycle just continues. And so the main causes of leptin resistance are stress and poor sleep, chronic inflammation in our body. And that might be from like gut infections, different biotoxic illnesses like um, mold toxicity, or um, Lyme disease or something along those lines, something that can drive up inflammation. Insulin resistance. So if we are producing too much insulin, that goes hand in hand with leptin resistance. 
Environmental toxins like heavy metals, for example, can definitely impact this. They're going to drive up inflammation in the body. They're going to also impact the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is not able to process the leptin that's coming in, okay? Because in some cases, the leptin is coming in, but the hypothalamus has been damaged by chronic inflammation in the brain, and it's not able to read the leptin okay, and, and respond appropriately. And then leaky gut and leaky brain syndrome. So when we have a leaky gut, the leaky gut is going to cause more inflammation in the brain and disrupt what's happening in the brain. So these are major factors here. Now, major signs of insulin resistance, okay, and it really goes hand in hand with leptin resistance. People with insulin resistance tend to be overweight, so their body's not responding to insulin. I've done other podcasts and videos on this, so you can check those out and articles on drjockers.com as well that you can check out all about insulin resistance, okay? But here are the, the most common symptoms. Tend to be overweight, particularly with extra abdominal fat. That's usually a sign of insulin resistance. Insulin's going to turn on fat storage. And in particular, the main area is in the abdominal region. Uh, you have trouble losing weight. So you try eating better and exercising, but you still are not losing weight effectively. That can be insulin resistance, large appetite, and craving sweets after meals because the body's having trouble getting sugar into the cells. So insulin's job is to get the sugar into the cells. If you're insulin resistant and your body, your cells are not responding to the insulin, then oftentimes you actually, even though you ate a lot of food, you're, you don't actually have the cells themselves are, are still hungry. They're starving because they, because the, the sugar has moved into the cells. So, th so you oftentimes will crave sweets because your body's like, I need some sort of quick energy here. And, uh, and oftentimes again, that eating sweets does not relieve the cravings and you feel tired after meals because you're not getting the cellular energy in particular, like your muscle cells, which muscle and liver cells tend to become insulin resistant first before fat cells. So all the insulin coming out just turns the, turns up the, the the amount of fat storage, but it's not actually getting the enough enough glucose and enough energy into the actual muscle and liver cells where we're going to use it and burn it. And so you feel tired after meals, plus high insulin load actually tells the body to rest, all right? Because it's associated with like eating a big meal, for example, and you need to rest so you can turn on the digestive juices and digest it well. Oftentimes you have frequent thirst and urge to urinate. And that's because if the sugar molecules are not getting into cells, they're gonna drag water in through the kidneys and out through the, through the you know, you're gonna urinate it out. So you're gonna oftentimes be very thirsty, you're gonna lose more water and you're gonna urinate a lot. Also for women, so basically, for women, it's going to either turn up the estrogen or turn up the testosterone. So you end up getting either estrogen or testosterone dominance for women. And if you have too much testosterone, it causes a problem called polycystic ovarian syndrome. For males, you end up getting a condition called andropause, which actually is low testosterone because for males, it turns on an enzyme called aromatase, which turns testosterone into estrogen. So males will have high estrogen low testosterone. And also insulin turns up the, the uh, growth patterns in the body. So when you're insulin resistant, your body's producing more insulin than it should, but the cells are not responding to it. So you have high insulin, but the insulin is not able to do its job the way it needs to. 
So it ends up leading to things like acne, skin tags, skin pigmentation changes, high blood pressure, and high triglycerides, all characteristic with insulin resistance. Now, here are the things we need to do in order to protect against insulin and leptin resistance. So eating a really good anti-inflammatory diet, you know, really focusing on high quality organic grass-fed animal products, healthy fats like avocados, avocado oil, olives, olive oil, coconut oil, coconut butter, coconut flakes, things like that. Getting a lot of good non-starchy vegetables, um, getting a lot of things like garlic, onions, chives, a lot of herbs like ginger, turmeric, uh, basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary. These things are all rich in polyphenols and different antioxidants that help support a healthy gut reduce inflammation in the body and support healthy blood sugar signaling. Things like apple cider vinegar, lemons, limes, berries. These are the things that we want to be consuming. We obviously want to avoid grains, processed, conventional animal products, deep fried foods, all your toxic vegetable oils, corn oil, soybean, safflower, cottonseed. You know, got to get rid of all those types of things out of the system. And so we also, a really good thing to, to help improve leptin resistance is actually getting your body metabolically flexible so it can use ketones as an energy source. We know ketones are a preferred energy source and they're actually a very clean energy source because they can produce rampant amounts of energy and very little metabolic waste. And so they're really good. So going on some sort of a ketogenic style diet or doing intermittent or even an extended fast can be really helpful for supporting good, healthy, strong mitochondria that can use ketones for an energy energy source. And then doing daily intermittent fasting also, very, very helpful. So, you know, you could start with a 12-hour simple fast uh, and then move it to a brunch fast where it's 14 hours between your last meal and your first meal. If you are lean, okay, lean, active female, then doing like a crescendo fast might work out well, where you're doing a 16-hour fast two days per week. So like a non-consecutive days, like a Monday, Thursday, or something like that. Um, or doing a cycle fast, where you're doing it every other day. Okay, now if you're very overweight, you probably won't have a problem doing intermittent fasting after the first week. And most people that are overweight can easily do a 16-18 to hour fast on a daily basis, and once you get good with that, I recommend doing a one-day, 24-hour fast and maybe even like a 36 or 48-hour fast, depending on you know, how much weight you want to lose, how insulin resistant you are, uh, and, and you can respond well because when you fast like that, you reduce the overall amount of insulin that your body's producing. The more that you reduce that insulin, the better you're going to burn fat, the less inflammation is going to take place in your body, and the more sensitive your body's going to be to leptin. So that can really help reset the system. I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite new drinks. It's called Flying Embers, and it's a better-for-you alcohol brand that brews hard kombucha and probiotic-powered hard seltzer. All their products have zero grams of sugar, zero grams of carbs. They're USDA-certified organic, and they're brewed with live probiotics and adaptogens. So they're great for the gut, great for helping your body adapt to stress more effectively, helping enhance good quality sleep. They're all keto, gluten-free, and vegan. They're low in calories, do not impact your blood sugar. And they have some delicious flavors like ginger, 
black cherry, lemon, pineapple chili, and grapefruit thyme. I really love the black cherry, has a great flavor to it. The ginger is like a really refreshing ginger ale, so you've got to try that. Their products are artfully crafted with a dry fermentation process, which gives the hard kombucha a perfectly balanced natural sweetness, and it tastes amazing despite having zero sugar and carbs. And the thing that I love the most about these products is the unique buzz that they give you. It's very uplifting and it leaves you feeling amazing the next day. You don't have a hangover. There's no bloating like with beer, no sugar crash from, you know, various wines and cocktails. So guys, I've worked out an exclusive deal with Flying Embers just for podcast listeners. You can receive 15% off all the orders. Just go to flyingmembers.com forward slash chockers. So that's F-L-Y-I-N-G-E-M-B-E-R-S dot com slash jockers. Flyingembers.com forward slash jockers. Put in the coupon code jockers at checkout to get 15% off your order. You guys are going to love these drinks, so try them out today. Now, on top of that, sleeping is super important for helping the hypothalamus respond better to leptin. Sleep is when our brain detoxifies. So that's when our glymphatic system, which is basically the immune and lymphatic system of the brain, gets activated when we're sleeping. These glial cells rush in, they break down inflammatory proteins, they break down damaged tissue in the brain. Um, this process called autophagy, where they're breaking your, you know, your body, your brain cells are breaking down um, the damaged materials within the cell as well. So we're recycling all of that, clearing it out of the system and basically resetting your nervous system. So good sleep is super critical. So I always recommend making sure that your room is cool. I like mine about 65 degrees and it, with a fan going as well for some circulating air. Keep your room as dark as possible. Use a sleep mask. That just takes out any sort of ambient light that might get in your eyes that would blunt your melatonin release. You want to dim your lights as well, um, you know, basically at least an hour before, before going to sleep, but roughly around sunset, start dimming your lights. You know, you could turn on more of like, a, like an orange light, but very little lighting in your house should be, should be taking place. That helps your body start producing that melatonin. Now you want to exercise throughout the day, but not right before bed, of course, but you know, really doing it in the morning, midday or late afternoon is going to be the best time. Um, at some point in there, you want to stay moving throughout the day. All those things are going to actually help your circadian rhythm, help you sleep better. Getting sunshine, particularly early in the day can be really helpful for your circadian rhythm as well. You know, if you do caffeine, don't do it within eight hours of sleeping. That can obviously affect your sleep quality. So, and then don't eat too late either. Try to finish your dinner about three hours before going to sleep. So for me, I try to be in bed by 10. So I want to be done eating by 7 p.m. on a regular basis. And that's a really good strategy so I can digest my food before I go to sleep. So that way it helps me get into a deep sleep more effectively. Being thankful, you know, talking about get, uh, reducing stress. One of the best things we can do to reduce stress is just being thankful, giving thanks the more grateful you are and the more things that you find, you know, more reasons you find to be thankful, the less stress you'll experience. You'll become more resilient to stress. So very, very important. Getting your body moving, just so critical. And there's a difference between movement and exercise. 
exercise, when I think about exercise, I think about something that we're doing at a very high intensity, really trying to get our body in a state of oxygen debt where we're breathing heavy. That could be something like resistance training, strength training, uh, could be high intensity interval training, you know, something that's really getting your heart rate up, okay, where you're breathing heavy. Whereas movement could be something very light, like walking, like taking a light walk, um, you know, playing with your kids, dancing, things like that. That is movement. And both are very good. Both are very therapeutic. And we want to actually incorporate both of those on a daily and weekly basis. So high intensity exercise is where you're really going to get the best fat burning. Okay. So you're going to really change your metabolism, improve your insulin sensitivity and um, stimulate more lean body tissue and uh, you know, better fat burning through doing some high intensity interval training or doing strength training. So I recommend doing something like that minimum two times a week and maybe up to five times a week. Okay. You need a little bit of rest as well. Now you should be moving every day. You should be moving 20 to 30 minutes at least every day, whether it's playing with your kids, taking a walk around your neighborhood. You just want to make sure you're moving park in the back of the, um, you know, the parking lots when you're going to a grocery store and walk in, you want to make sure your body's moving and ideally throughout the day, right? Taking breaks with whatever you're doing and trying to get some good movement in. So I try to do it three, four times a day, getting some level of movement in and it really helps my brain, helps my body to function better. And then I personally exercise four to five times a week. I like to do resistance training. So I do strength training, um, you know, twice a week on upper body, twice a week on lower body. And then once a week, I might just go out for a jog or something like that. Some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of movement that's a little bit higher intensity. And, um, you know, I enjoy that. It works really well for my, my schedule. And that's kind of a, the, the example of what you want to do. Now, with the exercise, you don't need to do, you know, you don't need to go into a gym and work out for an hour, two hours. You can do 20 minutes of high intensity strength training and get great benefit from that. So don't think that, you know, you have to do it for an hour because you certainly don't. Now we also need to take care of our gut. It's really important that we take care of our gut. Our gut lining is only one cell wall. And when we have dysbiosis or a bad bacterial balance, it actually triggers inflammation throughout our body, triggers inflammation in our brain and can absolutely lead to insulin and leptin resistance. So we got to take good care of our gut. And there's a lot of things, you know, a good diet really helps with that. And then, you know, there are supplements also that can be helpful. Things like L-glutamine, aloe vera, um, you know, fermented foods, probiotics, digestive enzymes, stomach acid support, things like that. And I have other podcasts and videos where I go over all my best strategies for improving your digestive health, but so important. Now, other things that can help with leptin and insulin resistance that can be during sunrise and around sunset. So seeing the sunrise every morning and seeing the sunset every single night will really help your energy, your fat burning, your circadian rhythms, and uh, you know your ability to respond to leptin and insulin. Now, you can also actually do this therapeutically and get even more benefit by getting a red light therapy device. I like the MitoRed. I'll have a link uh, in the show notes here. But MitoRed is great, and you can stimulate mitochondrial health this way, you support collagen production, improve circadian rhythm and sleep. So I try to get like 15 minutes or so uh, in front of my red light therapy device every single day. It reduces inflammation in the body, improves your skin, uh, improves wound healing. So a lot of great benefits to doing this red light therapy, especially in the, like the wintertime too. 
great for circadian rhythm, really good for the body. Now, a couple supplements that can be really helpful, brain calm magnesium. So a good magnesium that can help calm inflammation in the brain, help reestablish good neurotransmitter uh, sensitization. And with leptin resistance, we really see a lot of issues with stress and sleep. And my number one go-to supplement when it comes to stress and sleep is magnesium, particularly a magnesium that crosses the blood-brain barrier. That's why this one has magnesium L3 and 8, the most well-studied form of magnesium to cross the blood-brain barrier to help basically help the brain respond more effectively to stress hormones and have more resilience to stress. So very powerful there. I also like things that are gonna help reduce inflammation in the body. We talked about C-reactive protein. My best supplement for reducing that is Inflam Defense, which contains things like proteolytic enzymes that are in there. Proteolytic enzymes naturally break down circulating proteins like C-reactive protein. So it breaks down these immune proteins, so it reduces inflammation in the body that way. It also has curcumin, it has boswellia, which is uh, frankincense, basically really powerful anti-inflammatories, has resveratrol, it has uh, rosemary in it, quercetin. So these really powerful anti-inflammatories that help to improve circulation, lymphatic function, and protect against inflammation and oxidative stress. And then finally, I like something that's going to really help with insulin sensitivity, and that's our sugar support. So sugar support is a herbal-based uh, supplement that really helps improve blood sugar signaling. It has things like berberine, banana leaf, uh, kudzu. It has uh, American ginseng, fenugreek, so real powerful compounds, cinnamon, that help improve the way our body responds to insulin. And the better, better we're responding to insulin, the more insulin sensitive we are, the more leptin sensitive we will be. So taking a good support, you know, following a really good diet, exercise, really good sleep, um, stress management, all the different things that we talked about. And then on top of that, adding in these three supplements right here, the sugar support, the inflamed defense, and the brain calm magnesium, really make a world of difference and really help your body to, uh, to become more leptin sensitive, to help lose weight, to help stop overeating and stop cravings and help your body just function at its best. So um, anyways, hopefully you guys got a lot out of this. If you enjoyed this training, please leave a rating or a review. You know, your reviews really help us reach more people. So we'd love that. And you can check out the show notes for links to these products and everything else that we mentioned. We'll see you guys in a future podcast. Be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.